This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Good evening and welcome to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. Jake Watson with you till 10pm this evening for Palace 7 till 9. We've got Nick, we've got DR and we've got Max in the studio from the back of the nest. How are we? We good? We, we well? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. On, yeah. All at once. Energy boys. Come on, we've got two hours. Two I'm, hours. Of, oh, you know what? Actually, this week is fine. Yeah. Other weeks here, a bit down, but beating Tottenham. That was fantastic Break, Breaking news. DR is on the radio. He's here and he is 100% well and yes. fit and, and happy. Yes, and Nick has taken over my role and he's not 100%. Yes, but, I am. But he's had his dinner. Well, you just said that you wasn't. Yeah, but that was off air. I've got a different persona oh. on here. I can't be. <laughs> <laughs> right, you know. All right, The radio personality. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I've been very happy, happily tweeting that, yep. that reduced in price Tottenham celebration cake photo that I have stored <laughs> on my phone. Must have tweeted that and put that on other social media quite a few times. So. <laughs> and you've had your dinner yeah. this evening before I've you I've had a dinner this yeah. evening. I didn't go to the game Sunday. I was umming and ahhing. And what, it was, it what was, was the reason why? The weather. Yeah. Money, because my son has announced that he's going on a day trip to Auschwitz. Sort of like a week before right. it's happening. <laughs> so, And, um, yeah, I was kind of cooking dinner and watching the game. It was great. Game finished. No regrets? Half time. Tottenham, you know, missing that penalty and I'd have been behind the goal there. But, you know, I was eating roast dinner within 10 minutes of the game finishing. What was the meat? Chicken. Interesting. I wouldn't go for that. 
No, I've, 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 I boiled up a stock and I've actually used the stock for the next two meals, so it's good. You're, you're, you're a wise man, Nick. Yep. Uh, we've got Max in the studio as well. Max, uh, good evening. How are you? Evening. I'm very good, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Good. Well, we're glad you're here. What did you make of that result then against Spurs? Did you see that coming? Do you expect it? I didn't, to be honest. I knew it was a good time to play them because of the amount of injuries that they had. Uh, but still, it was surprising, but uh, a very welcome surprise. Yeah. So, what are we believing now? FA Cup, got Doncaster in the next round. We've got a chance, haven't we, this year of at least getting to Wembley for maybe a semi-final. No, it's, you know, let's not argue whether that's right or not. But, you know, this is exciting, an FA Cup run. While I was on the train on the way up here, I did go into a bit of a daydream. <laughs> where um, we were in the final. Yeah. I don't know who we were playing. We were 3 nil, three nil yeah. up. And they brought Jules on as sub with five minutes to go. Up front. Gave him the captain's armband. He's got a hat trick in three minutes. <laughs> He's not Danny Butterfield. And um, yeah, he'd, he'd go up as the captain and mm. kind of bookend his career like that. Now you've been following Nick Crystal Palace a few years longer than the other chaps. 41. Memories of the FA Cup, of how uh, maybe a, a long old trip. What's what's it like to get yeah. to get to the latter ends of it? It's good people we there recently, mm. weren't we? A couple of seasons ago, yeah. Was yeah it? But we're not allowed to talk about that because that result. Like I was talking about it with my mates yesterday, and every time I talk about it, it just frustrates me. It's like we we're that close and we just bottled it. So I don't want to talk about the 2016 FA Cup final. But this is a great opportunity for us. Doncaster, of course, it won't be easy because they're going to be up for it. It'll but, be easy. But it won't be it easy. It will be. Watch when we lose now. You're doing it on purpose. Just no, so I'm, we... not. <laughs> I'm not. If you, were, if you are at home, aren't you? No, no, wait. Anyway. Well, anyway, you're ready. It's easy. Well, hopefully, fingers crossed, um, we do win it. But I think this is the opportunity this year is massive. Um, I think half of the top six sides are already out of the cup. Yep. Chelsea United are facing each other, so... It's going to only leave like two top six sides left. If we go past this um, Doncaster game, we, it's going to be incredible. I think we're one of the favourites to win a cup. He's, he's got glint in his eye and everything. That he's he excited. Did. I was so nervous. Honestly, yesterday I was on a train um, trying to watch the draw. I was so nervous watching a draw. Like I've never felt nervous watching a draw. I was like, oh no, 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 not Chelsea, not United. Like I don't know. This year I'm feeling it. I feel I feel oh. like we can get the cup. Oh, I was recording a pod when the uh, draw was on last night. The, um, the Sunday night pod we moved to a Monday and I kept shouting out who was being drawn much to um, Mike's chagrin as he was trying to present the show <laughs> and he said don't say any more and the next one that came out was Doncaster Rover so I didn't say anything and then Crystal Palace came out I said well we've got Doncaster and um, he said oh alright and then carried on <laughs> <laughs> um, Lots been made uh, chaps with particularly Premier League sides and the changes that they've made um, going into to each game now, obviously, kind of maybe different circumstances with, with Palace and, and Spurs. But do you think that Palace were rewarded for playing a pretty strong side? To be honest, I think I think Palace made as many changes as uh, as, as Hodgson wanted to. I think the only the only positions we didn't change was left back because Suarez mm. injured and Zaha and Townsend because until we signed Saka, we didn't have a backup winger. So I think he actually set his stall out as saying, "I am going to make as many changes." as I want and it was almost as different from the Premier League team as it could have been I think it's a sign of our strength and depth that it's still pretty strong and that we still managed to come through against a side like Tottenham You've got to remember though that Tottenham did make a lot of changes as well and yes. they didn't have Kane they didn't have Son um, they didn't have Ali um, and they look like we have in the past when we haven't had Zaha mm. Is there not 
though, I had this conversation with um, Watford on Sunday. Now they they beat Newcastle, but I'm not sure if you saw Chris Sutton's comments when he saw the team. He called them a disgrace for making 11 full changes, and obviously Watford were, were pretty annoyed at that. So look, you know, it shows our, our strength in depth. Mm. You know, Harvey trusts his squad, and they've won the game. So now they're saying, "Oh, he looks like he's got egg on his face." But I, I disagreed with that in the sense of. If Watford had lost, if they'd made 11 changes and been knocked out against Newcastle and you look at the, the rest of the teams left in the FA Cup, as a Watford fan, where they are as well in the Premier League, I'd have been absolutely gutted that my manager hadn't taken that seriously and played you know, a much stronger side. So we look at the changes then, for instance, that Roy has made. Now, I know, again, ignore the fact that you've won this game. If you'd lost against a Spurs B-side with loads of loads of injuries... And looking at now the FA Cup, it would have been a huge opportunity missed, wouldn't it? Yeah, but if you look at the lineup, I was I wasn't too sure if I should be happy, if I should be upset, because we still had Wilf and Andros and Connor Wickham up front, yeah. so it was not, um, you know, going forward, there was no problems with that. It was just a defence. It was it was a bit shocking that he just he left Patrick Van Aanholt there, but the other defenders they all they all haven't really played together. But you have to give credit to Roy as well because them defenders, I know Tottenham didn't play the strongest lineup. But they looks like they've played with each other like twenty times this season. They they were all on the same page. So they've, they've credit been playing, is due. They've been playing together for years. They're the backbone of a of the squad, or kind of they've got remnants of the squad going through that back line for what two, three, four, five, even six years. So you know they should be able to play well together because they've been training together for so long. Yeah, but still they haven't really had that much game time yeah. uh, for uh, together for like very that, long time. That is, that is my issue with it. Is that you know. You look at the the personnel, it's obviously a good team. And we had the same with West Ham, we had the same with Leicester, where they've been knocked out by lower league opposition. They're saying, well, the players that played in that game are easily good enough to beat them. Yes, of course, but when you're playing at a group of players who, you know, Scott, Dan, Ward, how much football have they played? You're playing a, a, a group of players who don't play with each other week in, week out, and are half fit. So it's, it's, it's a huge frustration for me that... I say I don't think Palace are anywhere near the same as guilty as, as other clubs because obviously you won the game and as you mentioned Wickham Townsend and Zaha is a very very strong three I think it does represent or, or certainly demonstrate that Hodgson was taking it seriously but yeah I just feel that if you'd lost which was perfectly feasible against Spurs you would have sat there thinking that, that was a big opportunity missed I'd have just said by concentrating on the league. Oh no, I definitely wouldn't have said that. I would, yeah, 100%. That would have been a massive opportunity. If we yeah. did lose that, I'll be furious because Tottenham are injured. Um, even before the game, still lots of lots of Premier League sides have been um, have been knocked out of the FA Cup. So it's just it just shows that Roy's a tactical genius, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you listen to Love Sport. It's the Crystal Palace fan show at Love Sport Radio. Is the Twitter handle 0208 70 is the number if you want to ring. We've got a load of Premier League games this evening. I'll give you some team news um, shortly and also uh, the goals as and when they go in throughout the evening. This programme was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Welcome back. Crystal Palace fans are here on Love Sport Radio 7 till 9pm. Um, just before we kind of actually go into the actual performance, which I think obviously we, we should do, one one kind of last question about you know Premier League clubs and, and the FA Cup. 
because it, it does irk me and I, I just wish that Premier League clubs would take it more seriously because I think it's a wonderful competition and so many clubs are being kind of shortchanged by their managers in this this hunt for a little bit more cash effectively or Premier League survival because they're so terrified of, of obviously being relegated and losing their, their jobs. Is there not an argument that if you're going to rest players or change your team, you should have played your full strength side against Spurs and rested them for the game beforehand in the Premier League because I think you'd, you'd say that Palace would be okay this season and wouldn't be involved in a relegation scrap and the chance to be in the FA Cup to continue is 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 better isn't it you know, if, you, if you lose that Premier League game you've still got another 14 you lose that game in the FA Cup you're out it is but I think the cost of getting relegated is more significant than you know, if you win the FA Cup and go but if you, if Europa you, League. But if you lost one Premier League game, DR, you wouldn't be thinking, oh, we're relegated. You lose that game against Spurs in the FA Cup, you're out. Yeah, I know, but Roy so Hodgson... surely you prioritise the FA Cup game as opposed to the Premier League game. That's how I see it. Yeah, but that's how fancy, but not not Roy, because even before the game, he said it. He said that the Premier League is more important than FA Cup. And he had a very good point saying that the FA Cup is not as significant as it, as it was before because... Um, because of the fact that Europa League and Champions League competitions um, hold more power. So for clubs like Palace, yes, it's good. But for other clubs like that we're talking about, um, you know, United's and Chelsea's or whatever, they don't have to play the strongest lineups. No. Uh, we've had a call in. Uh, James is on the phone now. James, good evening. Welcome to the Crystal Palace Fan Show. What do you want to talk about, mate? Yeah, good evening. You all right, James? What, what, what's I'm your point, mate? Well, what, what, what do you want to speak about? Well, I heard one of your, your guys saying that Hodgson's a tactical genius, and I have to say he is, because um, I um, I was very very upset just before the uh, the Tottenham game because I felt that he'd um, dropped three of our best players, um, Luka Milivojevic, Sacco, and Wamba Sacco. Arguably, apart from Zaha and Townsend, maybe our best players. Um, but um, you know, it was it was a masterstroke. He um, we had a comfortable win. Um, we played well. Um, we are progressing in the FA Cup. And we've managed to rest three very good players for tomorrow night's game at Southampton. And what I want to say now is I want to put it out there and say to the fans, um, do we want to go for this FA Cup and try and get to Wembley again? Because it's such a big thing for fans. I know the money is in the Premiership and I know the money is on the places. And I know, you know, a couple of years ago, I think it was, we jumped up four places, was it, on the last game of the season? And it's like a million pound a place. Now, I appreciate the money, but for the fans, and me personally, I still love the FA Cup. I'm a season ticket holder at Palace and I'd love to get a t- I don't know if I'll get a ticket for Doncaster away, but I'm there. If I can get a ticket, I'm definitely going. And I just love it. And I really would love another opportunity to get to the FA Cup final. But I don't want Roy... I mean, I appreciate what he did against Tottenham, but I want us to now take it very seriously. Mm. And I do understand that we need to consolidate and make sure that we survive the Premiership. But I think we can still go for it in the FA Cup and I believe that you know the fans deserve it because we're not going to be top four I mean <clears throat> the Leicester season was a freak um, we're not we're not going to do that it's, it's unlikely um, 
So the best we can hope for is a, is a, is a great cup run. Um, I just want to sort of ask you guys and put it out there and say that our people on side of me here um, and, you know, now we're in the fifth round, should we go for it or not? Top stuff. James, really appreciate the call, mate. So, yeah, so where are we at then? Because I feel that we do live in this world where fans want it um, and it's almost a little bit irrelevant, isn't it, what the fans want because the manager's have to focus on on different things is that fair but i don't know i feel like roy as as an englishman he should get it he should get the fa cup and maybe he's maybe he's not well i think now that we're basically in a round of um 16 there's only 16 teams left i think it's only right that we take it serious and i do think from now on roy will take it serious because you look at the team that's left in a competition we do have a chance of going to the final and getting a win like we we It'll be foolish right now to play our second bunch, uh, you know, second group of players against Doncaster because we'll think it's easy. Like, I'd rather sacrifice one game from now on, one one Premier League game, to win like the FA Cup game. If you know, it's it's happening in, like two weeks, it's three weeks time, yeah. the FA Cup game. So we we're gonna play a couple of Premier League game and let's see where we are. But even if we're not doing so good, I'll still. Well, a full strength squad out yeah. for the cup, Nick, FA would, cup. Would you sacrifice a couple of Premier League games to 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 try give it your all to get to an FA Cup final or certainly the the semi final at least? I wouldn't sacrifice any games. I'd try and get the best chance I've got of winning all the games. But is that, is that realistic though? It's... Is that realistic to to play a full strength side across however many games if it, if it ends up being three and ten days? If there is an FA Cup game and two Premier League games either side, is is that really feasible? And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We better get some squad players in because they all seem to <laughs> well, have gone that, elsewhere. That's another argument altogether, isn't it? But no, yeah, I do, I do. And now we're in the fifth round and we've got Doncaster and there's no easy games in football. I know it's an old cliche, but... I mean, it's easier than United and Chelsea. It yeah, is. And, it Man, is. and Man City. And yeah, it is easier. We're, we're talking like this, you know, we could get Man City in the sixth round and we'll be saying what Tim Pork Trophy it is. That's what, that's, <laughs> that's what Palace fans are. Yeah, you know, while we're in it, we want to be in it and we want to go as far as we can. Yeah, but that's only right. Yeah. Have, yeah, well, who, who wouldn't want to be? I don't, I don't know anybody who wouldn't, but Roy sacrificing I, yeah, no, games. No, I, do. I, think, I think managers actually really couldn't care less. They, they're using the competition to play fringe players to maybe give them an opportunity or play other ones who are coming back from, from fitness. And it's not, it's not what the FA Cup should be used for. You know, if, you, if you've got a group of players who aren't in your team, who are unfit, who are working their way back from injury, then send them out on loan. Put them in the under-23s. But That's what it should be for, not the FA Cup. I know, but we're not really doing that, are we? He's resting a few players, giving a few a chance. 
So, so, so have Tottenham. So, mm. I don't know what your beef is with Palace. I, my, my beef isn't with Palace. Oh. I'm talking about the Premier League yeah, clubs. Yeah, Premier League clubs. Yeah, well, said, we don't, we don't, that, we don't do it. So, I said many Premier League clubs are significantly more guilty of that than, than Crystal Palace. But if you had been knocked out, I'd have been sat there saying, "Well, that's your own fault for not playing your full strength side in a competition that deserved more respect." Well, of course it is. Mm. Um, so, one last question on it before we move on. Playing devil's advocate, would you? <laughs> Get this. I know what you're going to say. What, what, say what do you think I'm going to say, DR? Are you going to talk about, would you rather get, would you win the FA Cup and get relegated? Yes, DR! Correct! Oh. Would you rather win the FA Cup and get relegated or finish mid-table? As much as I want us to win a trophy, um, if we do get relegated, I think it'll be catastrophic for this club because you look at how much we spend on players. Mm. Um, I can see Roy Hodgson leaving, all our star players leaving. It'll be, it'll be a total rebuild and I don't know if we'll be able to handle it, I can see us going down the leagues just like Portsmouth did and even like Sunderland. So, no, I'd rather stay in the Premier League for that fact. Same question to you, Nick. It's a silly question because obviously you want one and not the other. But having been to Palace for 41 years or, or more than that now, um, I've seen a couple of cup finals. I've seen us losing 76 in the set as in the semi against Southampton. Um, I'd love to see us win a cup. As somebody said on social media earlier, that your name's on the cup forever. Yeah, we've we've that memory's forever. We were we were third division when I started supporting them, back when the leagues were properly named. <laughs> and um, yeah, we'll we'll go back down again at some point. We're not going to be like Everton and be there forever. Max, call me foolish. I would get relegated and see us uh, and see us lift the FA Cup. That's the right answer. My. My friend is, is a Wigan fan, <laughs> and they obviously won yeah. the, won the cup final. Got relegated that year, and he said, "You know what? For, for that for day world, out, for that day out, I would not change it for the world." And although, yes, the championship is the hardest division to get out of, and we might suffer successive relegations, and the stadium. Obviously, you kind of need that Premier League infrastructure to um, uh, to continue if you're going to be filling out a stadium like that and having the kind of players that we have on the kind of wages that they're on. But with all of that said, I think the FA Cup is is the number one thing for fans. Yeah. Players come and go, managers come and go. Yes, you don't want to lose them, but an FA Cup, the trophy, you can't. You know, it's, it's, it's 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 money can't buy kind of memories, dear. I know I know what you mean. I am um, like I, I felt it when I was at the FA Cup final in 2016. It hurt so much. Imagine that day we lifted a trophy. That would have been just amazing. One of the best days ever for me personally. But it's just uh, the plays that we've got and the wage structure. I just fear the worst for this club. Like if we do get relegated, I really do. And on that basis, I just wouldn't like us, you know, to sacrifice for a cup like of of full potential because this team, you know, they they've got stars and we can build on this and yeah. try try you know push for Europa League. But if we get relegated. You know, I know we won the FA Cup, but you're just going to go downhill from there. Okay, then when I put the question out then to you Palace fans listening this evening, uh, 0208-7020-558 is the number you need to ring. Uh, what would you go for this season? Would you take relegation and the FA Cup or a mid-table position? From Ali to Zaha, we've got it covered. Love Sport Radio. Yeah, 
there. Welcome back. Crystal Palace fan show. Uh, do get involved in this debate. Um, how seriously do you want Palace to take the FA Cup? What would you sacrifice? Would you sacrifice your Premier League position to win the whole thing? Uh, at Love Sport Radio is a Twitter handle. 0208 7020 is the number that I need you to ring if you want to come on the show this evening. Uh, there's loads of Premier League games this evening. Actually, just the four. Um, but we'll start with Arsenal against Cardiff. A really nice touch, actually, on the Arsenal programme today, listing uh, Emiliano Salah on the back of the programme. But interestingly, in the team news, Meza Erzo is not only back in the starting lineup, but he is captaining them, them this evening. Very interesting indeed. The Arsenal side is Leno, Lichstein, Mustafi, Monreal, Kalasinic, Elneny, Guendozi, Torreira, Erzil, Abamyang, and Lacazette. For Cardiff, uh, their starting lineup is Etheridge in goal, Peltier, Manga, Bamba, Bennett, Arta. Gunnarsson, Rawls, Reed, Patterson and Uma Nias. I believe that is his debut since signing on loan from Everton. We'll go through some of the other teams uh, very, very shortly. So let's go back to your team and your FA Cup weekend. What was so impressive about that win? Who shone? What was the, what was, what was the big pluses from that weekend other than, of course, winning the thing? Um, I guess there's, there's some positives and negatives to take out of the game, I think. Very solid defensively. Credit to the players and coaching staff. As I said previously, they haven't played much. So that was a positive. But individual performances like from Zaha's was not that great. Um, there's been lots of um, debate on Twitter about um, Zaha and how he's performed this season. I felt like he was a bit... He was overdoing it a bit on um, Sunday against Tottenham. Well, trying too hard? or Yeah, a bit like... It's, he'll try to go past a player um, like when he doesn't have to when there's like a clear space open like he'll just he just tries too hard instead of taking a shot or passing it he just tries to go past a player and he's still a star player but I think that was that was a negative and he hasn't really been himself so far this season There's there's been a lot of flack for Wilf on, on social media hasn't there and um Chris, who's sometimes here, is having a week off podcast. He's having Humbo. a cup week- Yeah, he's having a cup weekend off. But he can't keep quiet, can he? Because he's written a, a really good piece. No, I did see this on Twitter, actually, yeah. On our um, backofthenest.com website. Um, so that's a really, really good read that defends Wilf and kind of goes against lots of people saying he doesn't care. Uh, mm. It's not that he doesn't care. I think he's just a bit of a dip in form. And personally, I think it's because he's had interest from other clubs. And when he's had interest from other clubs before, he dipped. Man United, he dipped. When he was in for the England spot, he dipped. So, Do you think it's not care, but he, again, he's maybe trying too hard to impress these clubs and that's having a negative effect on his performance? I don't think it's that at all, to be honest. I think it's. Uh, I think it's the problem is in his head. It's not with his feet. Um, normally, he's used to teams kicking him up into the air and not getting decisions. And to an extent, as a skillful player, you have to expect that because when Palace play Hazard, they'd probably foul Hazard out of the game. And the same with Liverpool and Salah. But he does get he, he does he does get frustrated when he doesn't get the decisions. And normally, how he reacts to that is just by playing better and and by showing. Uh, teams that he's better than people kicking him and can still go past them. And against Tottenham, he had Foyth up against him. And I thought Foyth played really, really well and defended against him brilliantly. And he couldn't get past him. And it, and it wound him up to the extent that he got a silly, nothing yellow card right at the end of the game. 
and you talk about kind of bad decisions with your feet that's such a bad decision if he gets booked uh, in the quarter final and he's out for the semi final or final just because of that yellow card how how silly will we will we think that, that decision was yeah i agree um to a certain extent i think he's been played out of position as well uh for first half of the season he's not a striker I know some people say that, oh, he plays up front and he plays out wide. But every time he plays up front, we don't see the best out of him. Me personally, I don't. I know the stats may prove otherwise, but when I when I look at Palace playing with my own eyes, without looking at any statistics, Wilfred Zaha looks more effective out wide than playing up front. And against Liverpool, he was out wide. He had a very good game, probably our man of the match. And it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I, it could it could be fatigue. It's just you. We do. You don't really know what's up with him, but he hasn't delivered as much um, this season in terms of goals and assists, which has been a disappointing factor. But it's not only now. Like I, I called this couple months ago on the Love Sports Show. I remember me and Hamber were having a debate. I don't you know. Did, if, yeah, 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 you yeah, remember? Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> me and Hamber were having a debate. It's I was just, just poking. Yeah, yeah. It, it it doesn't. There's there's so many factors to be considered, but I still think he's our star player. Maybe a rest will do good, but then again, you look at fixture list and a position in the league. You can't really rest a player like Wilfred Zaha. We can't win without him, apparently. So you well, know, we have got beat, that. Beat Leicester. He's, beat got Leicester. That. <laughs> <laughs> he's got he's got that pressure on him though, hasn't he? And that that must tell. And I don't know how much mm. his agent is saying to him. Look. You'll be worth this much. You'll be earning this much. Maybe that's why he doesn't like people fouling him anymore as much because he doesn't want to miss out on the chance of a big move abroad to Borussia Dortmund or wherever. Yeah, no, it's, a, know. it's, it's but, an interesting point. But you mentioned um, highlights from the game. Big highlight for me, Spironi clean sheet. Oh, yeah. Um, that 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 we'll, was brilliant. We'll dedicate some proper time to yeah. speak about Jules a little later on in the show, we're on until 9pm this evening. We're just going to take a quick break, but when we come back, uh, we're going to be speaking to the former Crystal Palace defender, Mark Edworthy. We've all got one, and we're not afraid to put it on display. Our opinions, that is. Share yours now at Love Sport Radio on Twitter, or call us 0208 70 20 558. Love Sport Radio, your fan station. Are you paying way too much for your energy bills this winter? A spokesman said could help you save a big money. A spokesman said it's the price comparison site that shows you the very best energy deals on the market. Don't pay the price for rising energy costs. Visit spokesmansaid.com now and you could be saving money on your bills within minutes. With a spokesmansaid.com. Fighting for you, saving you money. Yeah, welcome back. It is the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. Thank you very much indeed for your company this evening. We're on until 9pm. We've got Nick, we've got DR and we've got Max from the back of the nest in the studio with us. Uh, keep those tweets and calls coming in, please. 0208 70 Once again, that's the number you need to call. Uh, we've got Crystal Palace, former Crystal Palace defender, uh, Mark Edworthy on the phone now. Uh, Mark, good evening. Good evening, Jake. How are you doing? You okay? Yeah, really, really well indeed. Um, so, this FA Cup win at the weekend against Spurs, how big was that? Well, I think it was huge because um, hopefully they can take that into the league campaign. Wonderful result against Tottenham, 2-0 victorious. And if you look at the league campaign, unfortunately, they've lost the last uh, couple of games. I think they've only won one at the last five games. And of course, Southampton, they visit tomorrow. Um, are on a bit of a run, aren't they? They beat Everton and Leicester. They've got two wins. And they're in good form under the new manager. So, uh 
it's all mouth-watering tie tomorrow for sure. Yeah, plenty of big games um, for, for Palace between now and the end of the season. I mean, Roy has been kind of playing down, not necessarily playing down, but he's, he's rubbish reports that it'd be a six-pointer against Southampton. But is it is it fair to say that the winner of this game tomorrow can probably forget about being in any kind of relegation problems this season? Well, I think both managers wish that was the case, but I don't think it is the case. Um, I think with the, the Premier League as well, it's so difficult. I mean, if Palace can get a, a point away from home tomorrow and hopefully uh, at Sellers get enough points to keep them in the Premier League and, and keep their status, uh, that's what they've got to do. But, it, I mean, it is so tight down there now, isn't it? I think... Uh, would you class as a six-pointer? I think whoever wins the game will just give them a bit more relief from the bottom three, but it is just so tight down there at the moment, and it's going to be uh, difficult for both teams, but Southampton at the moment are the form side. Yeah, no, they are. They're, they're looking very, very good indeed under under, under Haas and Hotel. But on this, the performance from the weekend, Mark, uh, how nice was it to see Conor Wickham back on the goal score? Was it 799 days since his last goal? I know, it's actually incredible. I think he was actually delighted to win it. The celebration says it all, and I think the Palace fans enjoyed that as well. And, and you know, they've, they've been relying on the likes of Townsend and, and Zaha. He needs, probably needs to get a, a few more goals um, to his name. We know what he's like. Um, he's a flair player, isn't he? If he can add a few more goals to his games, then, you know, that's why all the top um, clubs keep looking at him. But hopefully with that firepower and uh, that confidence from the Tottenham game, let's hope they can go and get three points tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of pressure, hasn't there, and a lot of discussion about Benteke and his, his lack of goals, and also Palace fans wanting another striker to come in, but then the, kind of the debate about what can we do kind of financially, because we, we maybe haven't got the same amount of money as, as some of the other teams around us. So with Conor Wickham coming back from injury, almost a bit of a, a forgotten man, uh, I suppose, how, how important could he be? Is it could, could he literally be like a new signing? Well, he could be, and, and full of confidence. Goal scorers rely on that, don't they? And uh, as you said about Ben Teke, you know, he, when, when he's in form, he's superb. Aerially, he's great. He's a good target man. And if he starts adding goals to his game, that not only uh, improves that for the squad for Palace, but, but also competition, doesn't it? And goal scorers thrive on that as well. So, yeah, he was a bit of a forgotten man. I think uh, with scoring against Tottenham, uh, you know, he'll be full of confidence as well. And if you start getting goals from, from different strikers, then it can only boost the squad as well. Hello, Mark. I can't believe I'm, I'm talking to somebody who's been on the same pitch as Attilio Lombardo <laughs> and, and not forgetting, Better that. Um, Kevin Muscat. I mean, Kevin oh, Muscat. Wow. Well, wow. you'd have it in your team every day, guys, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. Well, I wouldn't be against him. <laughs> that's for sure. No, I know. No, exactly. It was just, let's just say Kevin's great to have in your team, but Attilio Lombardo, I remember playing behind him and what a joy that was. He was an absolute legend on and off the field. Um, you know, we talk about the foreign influx of players and what a gentleman he was in uh, unbelievable fitness and really brought something to Palace at the time. It was good times. I know it was difficult with, with the club going through relegation and, and promotion at the time, but um, a joy to play with the likes of those sort of players for sure. It was a joy to watch. Anyway, my, my, my point, now I've, now I've got over me starstruckness, <laughs> is, um, <laughs> is um, Tottenham came at Palace. Palace sat back. We barely had any possession but broke forward and scored which we've mentioned on this show a couple of times is how we're better away because we can counter-attack now do you think Southampton will have that in mind and kind of sit back a bit because that's when teams have sat back on us that's when we found it difficult to break down or is it going to be better for us for Southampton to to come at us so that we can get there on the break yeah, I think so. With, with the Southampton, obviously, I've, I've watched a few of their games recently. So obviously, Derby have had them have in the cup competitions, and it's been two great games. They do concede goals, but also at the other end, there they can be a threat. So I think with Palace on a counter attack with their pace and power, 
suits them at times, but that's okay if you can soak up pressure. It's no good if your leak goes and then the game becomes very open. So I think Palace would prefer side to sort of come out of them. So if Southampton do come at them, hopefully the fair flair players will get on the ball. And um, I think oh, if, if that happens, I think you, you favour Palace. But it's always very difficult in, in any league. If you sit back and invite pressure, you've got to be very organised, two banks of four, even if Palace goes 4-5-1 away from home. You've got to trust yourself defensively. And, and we know we've seen them break quickly away from home and, and they do look the better side. But that's OK if you're quite comfortable defending. But we know Palace have licked a few goals as well. Yeah, yeah that said, we have, we have got a pretty good defensive record. I think we're better than Man United at the moment still, isn't it? Well, I think away from home, that probably suits Palace as well. Because if you, if, you, if, if you imagine the home side, everybody expects the home side to go for it, which, which Southampton will. They'll try, to, they'll try to go at Palace. And I think if they can weather the storm away from home, keep the, quiet, uh, keep the uh, crowd quiet, then I think the flair players, which Palace have now got available to them, uh, hopefully could, could make the difference on the night. Uh, Mark, what's your memories of playing in the FA Cup? Did it, did it kind of hold the same magic as people kind of wish it still did? Well, I think now, uh, I think the game's changed, guys, hasn't it? Uh, as we all know, commercially, it's just a massive commercial business now, isn't it? I mean, I think with, with FA Cup, when, when the draw came out, I think there was, what, nine or ten games played on a Saturday afternoon at three o'clock, um, you know, which is un- unheard of. I remember when I was at Palace and when we had a few uh, cup runs and, and other clubs I've played, it used to be a carnival atmosphere. Three o'clock kickoff on a Saturday, the FA Cup is a very special competition. I think clubs now don't see it that way. They, they maybe it's the, the Premiership or, or European campaign, especially with the Premier League opposition. Uh, they've got, they've got because it's just that so much money at stake. But for the lower league clubs, it gives an opportunity to them, you know, play up against the big boys financially. If you get a good club in the next round, so I, I'm you know really upset in some ways that they are trying to tarnish it or take take that real. You know, passion away from from the FA Cup because it is a brilliant competition. It really is. I mean, Derby played the weekend again uh, against Accrington. It was a w- w- what a cup tie it was, a bobbly pitch, and it gives them the opportunity if they beat if they beat Derby to go into the next round. And financially, it can almost secure the clubs for especially the lower league clubs for for seasons ahead. So I think you know the FA have got to take a real good look at it. In uh, that's what I think personally, and just play your strongest side and uh, make it a real real great competition that, that everybody knows it is. Yeah, but what's it like though as a, as a player, Mark? Because fans kind of get maybe a little bit frustrated or, or pundits will maybe criticise a, a team for not kind of going for it. But, you know, as you mentioned, the financial kind of rewards with the F- FA Cup it kind of isn't a, a, enough for Premier League managers to, to take it seriously. But, you know, as a player in the dressing room and you've got kind of maybe the FA Cup draw, you've got an FA Cup game, is there kind of the, the, the same buzz around that, particularly maybe among the lads who aren't from, from England? Oh yeah, of course. You know, um, you, I remember we saw you know sort of sit together whether the draw was coming out until we got next. Everybody wants a home tie, don't they? But it's true. You know, with, with the foreign players coming in, which have added tremendously to the Premier League and the Championship, we see it listed right through the all the leagues now. It, it is a special competition. You think, well, what would happen if the FA looked up and said, okay, if you win the FA Cup, you get a place in Europe, you know, in the Champions League? How, how would that affect the managers then? I think we'd see them put up pretty much all their all their top players, wouldn't they? So. I think the FA have somehow got to get this cup competition because it's, you know, the history of the competition. Uh, we had some great, uh, you know, great upsets. We had some great finals. And I'm just concerned, like I said, when, when the draw came out and there was, uh, you know, a handful of games played at three o'clock on the start of the afternoon, you know, Monday night football, Friday night football. I mean, the FA Cup being played on those sort of days is just, 
it's just unheard of, really. Hi, Mark. Um, so far this season, Wilfred Zaha's only scored three goals and got two assists. Um, many fans have expected him to do much better than that. Why do you think he struggled so much this season? Do you think it's a position, you know, he's been playing striker, or do you think he's just overdoing it a bit too much and the rumours of him moving to a bigger club has got to him? Well, possibly, I think, uh, because you know, he, the Palace fans love him, doesn't it? And every time he gets the ball, he's one of them, you, you pay the entrance fee to go and watch him. He, you know, he gets bums off seats, he really does. And I think sometimes if you play him as an out-and-out striker, would, would he, he get into double figures? We haven't seen him enough in that, in that um, sort of number nine or number 10 role. So often he plays that wide so he can take on the opposition and be more creative. But the flair player he is, I don't think he returns enough goals personally. I think he probably admits that. And assists as well. You, you think a, a player of his quality would, would have more assists as well. So, yes, he is young. He is learning. Um, there's always going to be that room of a bigger club because he, he does it. He does excite. He does excite you, and, and the, the Palace fans enjoy that. But I think he has got to start if he's going to be a top top player and go to a top club. I think his return, um, and you know, I think you openly say that it, it's got to improve. You sound like Harry Redknapp there, Mark. Top, top player. I know, mate. I, I know. That, that's why I've never been a manager, you see. <laughs> but he's done all right. Hi, Mark. He certainly uh, has, mate. He certainly has. Hi, Mark. Um, obviously, you know the right-back position inside out. Aaron Wambasaka is sort of only in his real first breakthrough season. How good do you think he can be? What does he still have to improve? Well, I think he's, he's been superb, hasn't he? You know, and the, the amount of youngsters coming through now into the Premier League and they, they break through so early. I think it's like everything now. The, the full-backs, I mean, when I was playing, when I was down at Palace, you know, it was almost like um, stop the cross was most important. If I didn't stop the cross, I'd have a big centre-half pinning me up in the dressing room and I made sure I stopped it next time. So the art of defending is going out of the game a little bit. And I think we see these full-backs are very attacking now, aren't they? They almost play like wingers. But um, for me, I think if he becomes a, a good defender, especially 1v1 situations, and that's very difficult in the Premier League because you're playing against the best week in, week out, gets his defensive juice improved, which, which he's shown he's capable of doing that and become good, on, good in 1v1s as well because we know he's good going forward as well. So he's got some great attributes to his game and, and I think he's just going to continue to improve. And just lastly, Mark, what was it like playing for Leicester? Uh, <laughs> well, to be fair, it, I, I can say this now on the radio because it's water under the bridge. But I mean, I had, I had a wonderful time at Palace, one of you know my favourite clubs. It's an amazing place to play. You know, the two Wembley finals which we had, um, and unfortunately, you know, that penalty I give away against uh, uh, Muscat. Uh, um, sorry, not Muscat. What am I talking about? I'm going back now, thinking about my my mate on the other side. Um, the, the penalty I give away at, at Wembley, and then we went back the following year and beat Sheffield United. You know, wonderful times. It, it was a great time, great place to play. And then, of course, through you know, you go on, you move clubs, Norwich, Leicester, Derby. I was only at Leicester for a short period of time. Um, Nigel Pearson was in charge. He wanted some experienced players, and we were very fortunate to go across there and win League One. So again, it was a a great club and and a good manager to play for. That's all I wanted to hear. Sorry, Mark, I was a Leicester fan, so um, just just <laughs> wanting to, to to shoehorn that one in there. But Mark, really appreciate your time this evening. Some really really great stuff. Great great chatting to you. No, guys, have a great time. And fingers crossed for Palace. That was Mark Hedby, the worthy there, the former uh, Crystal Palace defender. We just need to take a break. When we come back, um, some of these Premier League games have kicked off. There's some championship ones as well. Uh, I'll go through some of those team news, which I haven't already done. And also, we're going to have a little chat uh, with Love Sport presenter uh, Patrick Christie's. 558 AM. Love Sport.
Great stuff there from Mark Edworthy. Really, really interesting stuff from him. Um, we've already got a goal. I was just going to run through some of the, the Premier League team news um, ahead of the 7.45 as the couple 8pm kickoff. So it's Jan Sievert's first game in charge of Huddersfield. They are at home. The John Smith there are playing a rather inconsistent Everton. But unfortunately, it appears they've got Everton on one of their good days. After just three minutes, Richarlison has given them the lead. Welcome to the Premier League, Jan. Enjoy. Um, West Ham, <laughs> they are playing Wolves this evening. It's at Molyneux. Um, the big news there is that Marko Nautovic, uh, he is back in the side for them, replacing Andy Carroll, who drops to the bench. Samir Nasri uh, is also missing. Robert Snodgrass instead starts in midfield. So just to run through their team, it's Fabianski in goal, Zabaleta, Agbonna, Diop, Masuaku, Rice, Noble, Antonio, Anderson, Snodgrass, and the one and only Marco Arnautovic, West Ham through and through. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. He loves that football club. Did you know <laughs> he, he, he signed a new contract and apparently his new contract yeah. finished the day after the previous contract. He's just he wanted his money up to stop him going for China. So he signed an extra day and they made it out like it was a big thing. It's like it was all about money all along. Uh, yeah. There's been another goal as well in the Premier League. Glenn Murray has given Brighton the lead against Fulham. That is a disastrous start for Claudio Ranieri's men. They've been looking at their fixtures. They've got a horrible run coming up. This is one they would have been looking at thinking we need, we need to get something from it but they started in the worst possible way Glenn Murray has given them the lead I've, I've heard of him he's meant to be quite good and he this Murray chef apparently so him? yeah apparently yeah apparently appeared for a club called Crystal Palace yeah. something yeah, like that never yeah. them either. Yeah. Um, Glenn Murray then or Connor Wickham <laughs> oh, wow who would right you rather <laughs> um, right now um, prob- prob- probably Glenn Murray I guess no Connor, he's scoring goals Connor Wickham yeah. is going to be Absolutely fantastic. I said months ago that we'll end up not getting a striker in because Wickham and Benteke will be fit. I'm going to get my DR glint in my eye like he had at the beginning <laughs> yeah. of the programme and say that him and Benteke are going to come good because you, you get the ball in for Wickham or Benteke, they will put it in the net just like Murray used to do. I think Benteke's can hold up like Murray does, maybe not finishing as well. And Wickham was getting back, playing quite defensive, I thought. Yeah, before Wickham actually got injured, I really liked his combination with Benteke. He was playing out wide, which is a weird position because um, he's not he's not a wide player. Yeah, but it wasn't Roy putting him yeah, in the wrong position. Roy, either, yeah, was yeah, it? yeah. It wasn't Roy putting him in the wrong position, as Nick said as well. So it was a bit weird. Um, but he's a strong, you know, strong player. But the only thing is really injuries. If he can stay fit, I think he can play a vital role in yeah. our survival campaign this season. He didn't. It's not like he's got a wonder, but you can see how much that goal meant to him. And I'm just happy for him. And hopefully he continues remaining fit and scores a couple more goals. Yeah, Max, are you a believer in, in Connor Wickham? Do you think he could be you know, the answer as such? I definitely think he's he's got the potential inside him. He, he broke in uh, Ipswich, I think, in his teens. Yeah, and he was brilliant. Unbelievable player. And Everyone wanted him. Everyone did. I think Sunderland paid, I think it was up to 14 million quid at the time. I don't think they ever quite ended up paying that amount. But you know, for a teenager from the Championship all that time ago, that was mega money. And imagine if he'd have played 100 Premier League games in that time if he, if he hadn't had any injury problems. I am a big, big fan of Glenn Murray, even now when he's... Um, when he's got no legs left on him. Um, but he's a very, very canny player, very clever finisher. But overall, I think I would rather have Wickham. He's, he's a good player. He's the correct answer. 
Okay. Uh, the Fulham side, by the way, I know it's already started and already one nil down, but just in case you were interested, it's Rico in goal, uh, Maxim Lamarchand, Adoy and Reem as a back three with Christie and Brian as wing backs, Chambers just in front, Seri, Scherler and Barbel behind Alexandra Mitrovic. Still plenty of time in that one um, to get something from it. So with both Fulham and Huddersfield losing, yes, are we just looking at one place now that's, I think, that's up for grabs? I think we're, irrespective of this evening's results for, for Fulham and Huddersfield, we're looking at you know six teams going for that, not going for, but trying to avoid being, <laughs> yeah. being, being, being the last one. I fear for Newcastle, you know. I think, I think they're the one who are in big, big trouble. Yeah, apparently Benitez might leave at the end of the season if they don't bring in any players in January. So I've, I've heard Pal- Pal- Palace fans... Saying, oh, yeah, we'll have him. Yeah, but he's left because he wasn't getting money for players. Yeah, but... Yeah. Why would he come to us? Exactly, we're, yeah. we're not giving money for Wait, players. Like for punishment, Nick, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah come here, don't yeah. spend any money. No, but Benitez is a very good manager. So, yeah, I'll take him at Palace, but he could potentially leave. And you look at... It's a really Cardiff, I think. Car- uh, Cardiff and Newcastle. Yeah, Cardiff and Newcastle. I think Palace, pal- pal- Southampton and Burnley But it's be such fine. a long season and, like, crazier things have happened. So you never know. And... I think that's why Roy was saying how Premier League is more important than FA Cup because until you're mathematically safe, you can't take the risk of, course of thinking that you're going to stay And up. nobody will do. Yeah, but as fans, people are already. Like, people, like some fans are saying how we've already stayed up and we won't go down. Yeah, it's good for us to say, but hopefully that doesn't transfer to the players, which I don't think it will. But I like, that's, that's the one thing I like about Roy's mentality. He just wants to keep us up and nothing else. What what do you reckon the points tally will be to to avoid the drop this year? It was thirty four last year, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, really unhelpfully, somewhere between thirty and forty. <laughs> you know what? It's, it, it's one of those ones, isn't it? Because it really de- it really depends how much those sides will be galvanised and 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 how much because in the space of a week you can play three games and get nine points if you if you yeah. have that really good run yeah. and then suddenly you guys are already on thirty points with with you know ten games left to go. I mean, just kind of finishing that kind of debate as such in terms of who do you think will go down unfortunately I think Cardiff are, it's so so horrible and unfortunate the way things have worked out but if I think I think that they'll they'll get caught up in it now it's, and it's really really sad and I think that's the, the Salah you know tragedy is going to cost them almost their, their Premier League position and the Premier League haven't helped them out at all by not allowing them to go out and, and sign a strike which I think is absolutely appalling I think even before the Salah situation in the summer, I expected Cardiff to finish last place, which I still think there's a high possibility of that happening. But they've done, it's weird saying, but they've done a half-decent job. I think they've done, yeah, done, done yeah. very well. Considering you look at Cardiff players, I think with all due respect, majority of them aren't, ain't Premier League type of like Premier well, League quality players. None of them would get in any other Premier League side, Exactly, that's what I'm saying. So you have to who, give who credit from to Cardiff Warnock. team would you want? Not, no one exactly and you've got one more two more points than them so Neil Warnock's done a brilliant job yeah he's done a brilliant job you, you, I think Neil Warnock deserves more credit than he's been given so far this season uh, Julian Speroni yeah statue Jules just statue Jules equals statue you know I'm probably one of his harsher critics didn't think he was good against Liverpool but was very very good indeed against Spurs he just needs a statue outside Sellers Park I think that's it You know, he wasn't that great against Liverpool I think game time played a part in that but you just saw, you know, his impact. He hasn't played all season. He's he's only this is his second game, I think. I'm I'm not too sure. Um, and the impact he had and the saves he did make was just 
just extraordinary. You know, the, his reaction. He's he's nearly forty years old and he has better reaction <laughs> yeah. than most like twenty five year olds. So hats off to Jules once again. You know, he was called on and he delivered. So it was a fantastic game from him. You'll be helping to build that statue, Max. Yeah, one hundred percent. Tonight I'm actually going to go to Speroni's restaurant in Purley and make sure I leave a massive tip for him. <laughs> Nick, he's good, isn't he? Keep keep him instead of Perry for the time being. No, like I said, he'll go up with the captain's armband on, lift the FA Cup. That'll be his swan song. We'll get Perry in, get some new blood in. Time, it's time to move on. But what about the Hambo Aaron Paul bet, you guys? You can't forget about it's, that. It's that that's, what... that's not going to happen. It's done now. Hennessy oh, right. and Hennessy and Gaeta are back, so yeah. I don't think you know it's going to happen. Okay, um, we're just going to take a, a quick break. Just a reminder: there's a there's a big vote apparently happening this evening at Westminster. I know nothing about it, but I'll tell you who does. His name's Patrick Christie's. Uh, he works here at Love Sport Radio. We're we'll speaking to him after the news in around five or so minutes' time. Uh, transfer deadline it closes on Thursday. What business, if any, are Crystal Palace going to do? Get in touch if you think you know who you want to sign um, and who you think they'll sign. Oh two oh eight seventy twenty five five eight is the number at Love Sport Radio is the Twitter handle, and we're updating you with the games throughout the country which are already underway this evening. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. That man, Glenn Murray, has done it again. 2-0 now to Brighton. It's all right, isn't he? It's all right. Are you sure, are you, sure you still wouldn't take him over Wickham, guys? Yeah, Nick, do you want to rethink that? Yeah. Nah, let Brighton no. have it. Um, and also, <laughs> 40 seconds, DR has reliably informed me. That is how long it took for Manchester City and Sergio Aguero to take the lead at St. James's Park. So whatever game plan Rafa Benitez had this evening, which I can presume was only just to ruin the game and to try and get a (laughs) nil-nil, is over before the very first minute was up. Um, As I promised you, before the news, um, I said we'd be speaking to Love Sport Radio's very own, uh, Patrick Christie's. Patrick, good evening. Good evening, how are you? I'm very, very well indeed, but look, please forgive my ignorance, mate. Um... I'm not really very good at this current affairs world. I'm, I'm strictly no a football is. man. Yeah, I, look, I'm just being honest with you. What, <laughs> what is going on this evening? Because we've got the screen on in front of us here in the studio. But it just, yeah, what's going on, mate? Okay, so look, we all know about Brexit, or at least we think we do. There were some key votes that are actually still taking place tonight in the House of Parliament. People that want to change Theresa May's Brexit deal or stop it entirely. Now, we've just had... A big one come through. It was put forward by Labour MP 
in that Cooper. This would have delayed Brexit if Theresa May's deal, we know Theresa May's deal, we know was supposed to come out on the 29th of March, if she couldn't have got parliamentary consent for her deal by March 29th, this amendment would have stopped us leaving with no deal. It would have delayed Brexit by about nine months and meant that we had time to renegotiate a deal. However, that's been defeated, a bit of a shock defeat actually, by 23 Vote. So this means, as things stand, even if Theresa May doesn't get her deal through Parliament by March 29th, we will now leave with a no deal. So that is one of the big ones. There is another big one coming up, and okay. that is an amendment by Sir Graham Brady, who is uh, chairman of the Conservative backbench group, the 1922 committee. What this would do, and this is now expected to get passed, is essentially that it would allow uh, Theresa May to scrap the deal that she's got and go back to the EU to negotiate on the Irish backstop border, the Customs Union backstop. This has managed to unite all of the hard Brexiteers in the Conservative Party, all of the DUP, who she's, of course, in coalition with. Why? Well, because they think this means she can now go and negotiate a harder Brexit and it still keeps no deal on the table. So in a nutshell, today is a victory for the Brexiteers. The Remainers, unfortunately, depending on which way you voted, have lost out to that. OK, Patrick, top stuff, mate. Really appreciate your time. Man, no worries. I'll give you a call in a bit when we get this second <laughs> amendment through. Look All forward right. to it, mate. Yeah, of course. Thank you very, very much. Um, so, um, January transfer window. I literally could not move from one different subject to the other brexit onto january <laughs> um incomings as opposing to leaving um yeah. possibly um we've had luca perry come in since uh last time we were here i think for the time being speroni we uh, i don't know so just just reiterate what we guys were saying earlier because you've got speroni you've got perry but obviously the other two chaps are, are out injured at the moment do you, do you stick with speroni or do you you bring perry straight into the firing line do roy, you think he's good enough and ready roy actually said in his presser today that yep. All our goalkeepers are fit and raring to go, so it's just a choice of four now. So. Right, okay. I, I don't think Lucas Perry will actually play for Crystal Palace. I'll be... Ever? Very... Well, no. <laughs> uh, this season. Let's just say this season. I think it's a loan deal, and I think it's not it's not really a bad signing in a way, because now the coaching staff can actually see him, and we know that we, lo- we all love Jules, but he's going to retire you know, maybe end of this season or next season. So if Lucas Perry is any good of what Roy and the coaching staff sees, then potentially we can go and get him in the summer if Jules does retire. So I don't think it's a sign-in, you know, I don't think we sign him just, uh, you know, to play him in a way. Mm. I think we sign him to have a look at him and, you know, see how he's with the under-23s, how he's in training. And that's why I don't think it's really a bad loan signing. Okay. Uh, Bakri Sacco rejoined the football club, I have to say. Um, I was a little bit surprised to, to see this one happen, but then also, does it maybe demonstrate and highlight what kind of limitations you have got in the market you are working in this month? I think we wanted to keep him. He wanted more money because he was a free transfer, so he was on quite high wages, as far as I understand. Yeah. Um, but I don't think we could keep him on the wages that he wanted. He went off, went to West Brom, and yeah, yeah. But yeah, I. He's he's been injured. However, he's he's such good mates with Sacco, 
and um, wealth. Yeah, wealth. yeah, with with all of them, you you can see it on social media. Um, Saka, he just posted it as soon as Bakary came. You know, they'll have a banter. Yeah. So it's good for the it's good for the squad. And is Saka good enough though, Max, to to come into this squad, or is it literally you know a needs must in terms of we need bodies? I think it's a difficult one because you're you're looking at a player who wasn't playing for a championship side Mm. and then a premiership side, not a bad premiership side, a kind of lower to mid table, uh, having him back. And then when I first saw it, I thought it's a bit like taking your ex-girlfriend back. You're just kind of thinking about the good things from the former relationship. But ultimately, he is a good player. And when we played him last season, out of position up front, he scored some really important goals for us. Clinton Morrison and Sean Derry is how I would answer that. They came back, did very, very good jobs. So, yeah, I think his cover on the left, which um, DR was saying earlier, PVA was was kept in the team for Tottenham because we didn't really have the cover. Yeah, I think with Saka, I think the the most important thing is that Roy knows him and... and he played him last season, so it seemed like Roy does does like Sacco. And it's, it's unfortunate in a, in a way that we lost him. But the most important thing for me is now, I don't care who comes in as long as Roy wants him at the club. Because yeah. when Roy doesn't want to play at the club, as, we, well, as we've seen with Rakip and Yak, who seemed like it wasn't Roy's signings, he didn't give them a chance. Where Serloff, he wasn't good enough, but we still gave, know, him, a chance, yeah, gave yeah. him a chance because that was his player. So as long as Roy wants him, then I have no problem with that. End of the day, Bakary Sacco, under Roy Hodgson, he did end up scoring a couple goals. So Roy knows how to get the best out of him. So it's not bad signing. And it's I think it's only till the end of the season. So if he pushes on and scores a couple goals, then we can sign him for even longer. So it's not a bad signing at all. Yeah, no, an, an interesting one indeed. Palestans, give us your thoughts on the signing. Bakri Sacco rejoined the club uh, after joining West Brom in the summer. At Love Sport Radio is the Twitter handle. 0208 725 is the number. Uh, we're on till 9pm this evening. Jason Dodd, the former Southampton captain and right back, is going to join us in around 20 minutes' time to look ahead to tomorrow evening's game against Southampton. But here in the studio, we're going to continue to talk about possible ins and outs before Thursday. This programme was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Are you fed up with rising energy bills? You can make big savings on your energy by shopping around. A spokesman said compares all the best tariffs on the market to help find the very best energy deals for you. Don't waste your hard-earned cash. Join the thousands who've already made big savings. Visit spokesmansaid.com and see just how much money you could save. With a spokesmansaid.com. Fighting for you, saving you money. Dear, dear me. Paddy, is it possible this evening, before the end at 10pm, we get Fulham supporting Love Sport producer Don Betts on the phone? 
I'll, I'll be interesting to, to, to speak to him. He is, of course, at Craven Cottage. Brighton are winning 2-0. Former Palace striker Glenn Murray has scored both of their goals. 27 minutes played, but they went behind after just three minutes. Elsewhere, still goalless between Arsenal and Cardiff. Uh, Everton are beating Huddersfield 1-0. Richarlison scoring again after around a minute. And Man City, well, they did it even quicker. 40 seconds, Sergio Aguero scored for them uh, as they looked to close the gap to just one point this evening. Liverpool playing Leicester City tomorrow evening. It's goalless between Manchester United and Burnley. In the Championship, Swansea have taken the lead against Birmingham. And the other game there this evening, a basement battle between Bolton and Reading. That is also still goalless. So, chaps, this month thus far, we've had a goalkeeper come in. We've had Bakary Saka rejoin. But we've had quite a few outgoings. Sorloff, Punchin, who, who else have we had? Kai Kai. Yeah, we've had Salud Kai Kai go. He's off to Nak Breda. Yeah. Um, we still feel like we probably need a couple more bodies. Is, is that fair to say? Yeah. Or, we nearly lost Riedeveld as well, but that was called off at the last yeah, minute, Yeah, Celta Vigo loan fell through, didn't it? But I think this, that something can yeah. still happen Something, there with something can still happen because the coaching staff clearly don't rate him. And as we saw with the other players that have been that have been sold, it was the same case. You know, they they haven't been rated by the coaching staff, and I won't be surprised if Reader World leaves, whether that's on deadline day itself or before it. But I just don't see him staying, which is unfortunate because I think he has got talent, and whenever he has played, yeah, he has been decent. So it's not the case of um, him not being talented enough. I I think it's due to attitude and what the coaches what 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 is the, um, the main reason. Um, why he wants it? Why the club wants to sell him? Mm. Um, Stephen Dobby, by the way, has scored again uh, for Queen of the South. It says two former Palace strikers scoring a couple of goals tonight. We made him. He could do a job for you. Can you yeah. bring him in on to the end of the season? Thirty-six. Yeah, yeah. Go join the old man's club <laughs> with Julian. Yeah, why right. not? Uh, why not? Um, an interesting one, which I saw kind of develop through the week, uh, which caught my attention was Scott Dan. So we know that Gary Cahill is going to leave Chelsea, whether it's this month or at the end of the season, obviously not playing under Mauricio Sarri, now 33 years old. Fulham were heavily linked with him. We thought that that deal was pretty much done, but it turns out that he was kind of after more commitment as far as a, as far as a contract want, went. He wanted more than, than, than six months. But where we stand now, the developing story, which involves Gary Cahill, is Cahill to Palace which would mean Scott Dan, who obviously isn't first choice, to go to, to Fulham. Interesting. How how likely do you think this is to happen? And, and how would you feel about it if it did? DR, you go first. Unlikely. I don't really see it happening. And I think it will only happen if we can sell Scott Dan for more than what we can get Gary Cahill for. So basically, it'll be just... Well, Gary Cahill, pro- you don't have to pay for anything. I mean, again, what I'm led to believe is that Fulham offered to pay out the rest of Gary Cahill's contract. So Chelsea effectively give him as a free transfer. Um, He just wants more than six months. Yeah, I think on that basis, it makes sense. We just make money out of it, really. But do I want it to happen? No, not really. Because we saw Scott Dan against Tottenham. He's still a very good um, backup centre-back. But I don't know. I, I... it's just I don't really see it happening. I don't really see the club changing um, too much personnel when there's no need to change. Nick, yes, yeah, Scott Dan knows knows the team, knows the squads, knows how we play. Um, seems quite happy to come in uh, with the rate of injuries that that players get in the Premier League. Um, he's bound to be needed more often than not. And to be fair, why why would he go to Fulham to play in the Championship next season? 
Well, it, it may not necessarily be uh, Scott Dan's, I suppose it is a decision, but kind of the way I'd look at it, Max, is that you've got Scott Dan here who was at one point, you know, first choice at Crystal Palace. He now no longer is. So he may not be hugely happy. And with the age of where he is at his career, he's no spring chicken. Regardless of whether Fulham are in the Championship or the Premier League next season, they'll probably match or close to the money he's on now and he's got a better chance of playing football and in Gary Cahill here you've got a guy who's captained England who's captained Chelsea he's still as fit as a fiddle in he is he's had no major injuries you could be potentially bringing in a player who could start for Crystal Palace and improve you and move on a player who's no longer first choice is it is it not a win-win uh, for me, I don't think it is. I, I think the fact that, that Scott Dan's been with the club for a long time, he kind of understands the ethos of the club. Um, he's captain the club himself. And of course, Gary Cahill does have a good pedigree. I can understand why Cahill wants to play football. I understand if Dan wants to play football. And I know why Fulham would want Dan or Cahill because they're both good players. But uh, for me, I think Scott Dan, just the history he has with the club and the fact that he's done pretty well when he's come in, I don't think we're desperately crying out for a replacement for him. And also would... Gary Cahill be happy coming to Palace and not really having um, that much game and um, playing time because I still think Sacco and Tompkins is better than Gary Cahill. So Take that's another thing to consider as well. Yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting thought. But for Gary Cahill, if you were to give him an 18-month deal, he'd look at it and think, well, I've got a better chance of displacing um, James Tompkins than I do of... You know, David Luiz or, or Rudiger at Chelsea. But we've 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 been bitten by having players on longer deals. We don't want to get sucked into that again. We've all we we don't want to go down that road. I'm afraid. And also knowing Roy's uh, stubbornness, the chances of that happening is very unlikely. Unless Tompkins forgets how to play football, I don't see Gary Cahill or Sacco. I don't see Gary Cahill coming in and taking you know taking their place. So it's it's this still won't help help Gary Cahill any kind of way. It just it might help us uh, in terms of saving money. Okay, then we'll see how this one develops over the next 48 hours. Uh, That is Gary Cahill linked with a move to Crystal Palace. Just six months left in his current contract at Chelsea. Obviously out of favour and he will be leaving the club whether it's this month or in the summer. Scott Dan has therefore been linked with a move to Fulham. They are in desperate need of some defenders conceded. I think it's 53 goals now already this season in the Premier League. We're only only in January. Um, A name that we spoke about last week. Yannick <laughs> Velassi, uh, Japs, we're speaking about him again this week. Just to reiterate his situation, he spent the first half of the season on loan at Aston Villa. He was playing for them, but there was a change in manager. And Dean Smith, their new boss, kind of maybe looked at it and thought, they're paying us full £70,000 a week wages. Maybe I can use this money better in, in other areas of the squad. Um, by the way, Aston Villa have moved for Burnley defender Ben Gibson today. So I think Dean Smith wants to use the Balassi money on a on a defender. So Yannick Balassi is back at Everton. He looks probably set again, whether it's this month or in the summer, to, to leave the club. He was spotted at Selhurst Park, wasn't he, um, yeah. at the weekend. Do we read anything into that? Well, apparently, there was an update um, throughout the week. Apparently, Doug Friedman, our director, yeah. um, he wants Balassi back at the club, but Roy's not that keen. And on that... Oh, ba- yeah, here we go. Yes. <laughs> and on that basis, I, I don't want Balassi at the club at all. Like I just if Roy says no, then it's no. Simple. Uh, if like end of the day, as much as Doug Friedman, you know, he hasn't got that many options, and Balassi may be a good player to come off the bench. If Roy doesn't like what he's seen from him, there's no need to go and get him. At end of the day, Roy's the manager, and Roy's going to select the players. And I don't think Roy will play him 
based on what's happened to other players um, if he does join the club. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of saying it's good to have Bakary Sacco back. Yeah, well, it's a similar um, situation. It's is similar... is Blassie not better than Sacco? No, but it's different because Roy Roy's actually played Sacco and, get, and he's got the get. best out of him. He's got goals, whereas Blassie, we haven't seen him under Roy and the way mm. and the reports are that Roy doesn't want him. So I think it's a different situation in that case. But, ju- but just on playing ability, do you not think that Blassie is better than Sacco? And if they're both available, why well, not bring both in? Probably, but I saw enough of Sacco to see that he's going to be a bit more consistent. Um, Balassi, he scored his hat-tricks. He could go on incredible mazy runs that people emulate on whatever FIFA or Pairs game they play. But it's the end product, and we need the end product. Yeah. You know, his, half his goals were crosses. And also, um, there's a reason why Aston Villa, even Aston Villa fans weren't that upset when mm. Balassi went back to Everton, and Everton fans were. There's a reason why clubs are not uh, don't want Balassi you know with them is because yes he can do skills but crosses and you know finishing that's not his best of ability whereas Sacco he's a good finisher on his left foot you know if he gets a chance he can put it in whereas Balassi when he crosses a ball he goes out for throwing I remember Sacco scoring an absolute screamer at uh, the King Power last season actually <laughs> when you, you spanked us there for what it's worth I do think Everton paid well over the odds for him I really do. Yeah, that's one of our... The way that we sold him for 30 million, it was, I was so happy at the time and I'm happy right now. Uh, Max, just to it. finish off the, the Balassi chat, what, what, where do you stand with it? Oh, it's, it's a difficult one. I, I remember the days when we had uh, Zaha right, Balassi left and Murray up top in the championship and some might say that's it's pretty good. six years later, it's probably better than our current front three. Um, but I, I, think, I think he's a little bit too inconsistent. If he was on a free transfer at the end of his contract and his wage demands were a bit lower, then maybe... Okay, thank you very much indeed. Right before the end of the show, uh, we'll look ahead to the game against Southampton. Um, But up next, we're going to kind of have to chat in the studio before at half eight, being joined by the former Southampton right back, Jason Dodd. From Ali to Zaha, we've got it covered. Love Sport Radio. Okay, then, so just to run through some of the scores this evening, Arsenal Cardiff is still a goalless. Meza Ozil back in the Arsenal starting lineup and also wearing the captain's armband this evening. Brighton are beating Fulham 2 0. Glenn Murray with both of them. Everton 1 0 up away at Huddersfield is Jan Sievert's first game in charge. Richarlison scoring a very, very early goal indeed for them. Goalless in the games between Wolves, West Ham, and Manchester United. Burnley, Man City against Newcastle was an 8 pm kickoff. And I don't think Newcastle started at 8pm because they were 1-0 down by 8.01. Sergio Aguero scoring there. And in the championship, it's one all between Swansea and Birmingham. Goalless between Bolton and Reading. So we're going to start to look ahead to tomorrow evening's game. It's a big one. Win it. And I think that I think that it's, that's the platform to, to push on and any kind of discussions of relegation can, can be forgotten about. Uh, just a reminder once again, Jason Dodd, former Southampton player, will join us in around five or so minutes' time to give us his thoughts, particularly from a Southampton perspective. But initially, from you guys, squad changes. How do you look at it? Do you Because you made some changes against Spurs. Do any of them keep their place now for this game tomorrow? Um I think it's going to be a bit harsh, but no, not really. Um, even though the, the, um, Joel Ward, he had a fantastic game. Scott Dan, Martin Kelly, everyone, you know, the whole defence line had a fantastic game. But the only player that stays in there for me is 
Patrick Van Aanholt and then you bring the normal, you know, starters back into the lineup. It's a massive game. It's it's going to be harder than what like I think most people um, expect because Southampton they've picked up form. I know we're level on points, but they you know they're going to be they're not going to make it easy for us by any means. So I'll keep the I'll make sure we have our strongest lineup and then yeah go on from there. Nick squad selection. Where do you stand? Do you agree with DR? Just just PBA to keep his place. Yes, I've got a feeling that I will start up top. Oh yeah, really that's a, yeah, that's a, that's another um, you know debatable topic. Who starts up top? Connor well, Wickham. Let's have it. Yeah, Connor Wickham. But Connor, Connor Wickham had a had a decent game though. So it'll be, can, be a bit harsh. Back from fitness, can he play that quick turnover? Well, he played against. He, yeah, he played against Tottenham. Um, I guess it'll be a test, and that's that's really it. But I can I can see him playing for like one half or sixty seventy minutes. So it, it won't be that bad if Connor Wickham plays. But I guess. Roy rested Jordan Ayew for a reason because he wants to probably play for the Southampton game. So, Or it could show how much Roy fancies and rates Conor Wickham if he starts him against Spurs and then starts him again tomorrow. Do you not think, Max? I do think so. And I think um, now that now that Ayew has kind of shown that he's not terrible, but he's not really going to be uh, capable of starting for us, I think Roy will have a choice now. Uh, given the fact that he rested him, will he want to throw in uh, Benteke or Wickham? I think if their if their bodies are capable, I think it should definitely happen. Mm. Anyone else then? Uh, the goalkeeping situation. Let's have that one. So you mentioned Gaeta Hennessy available for selection. You've now got four of them. You've got four goalkeepers after having only the one uh, for the <laughs> Liverpool game. What, what are we going to do? Do we do we bring them back in? Do we keep faith with Jules? You have to. You have to bring. It. It's going to be. I I'll love Jules for playing forever, but. It's going to have to be Gaito, isn't it? Um, he's, yeah, if he's fit, he's, he's our best goalkeeper at the club and you just have to play your strongest team against Southampton. So for me, it's Gaito, definitely. Yeah, definitely Gaito. Um, other positions is uh, Slap or Meyer or uh, McCarthy might come in, I think, for one of those. The interesting thing was um, I brought a couple of my mates who, who don't really watch Palace um, and they said, Max Meyer, he's a very good player. Um, I was like, yeah, he is. Uh, then I told him he doesn't play every week, and they were like, what? Yeah, yeah. I think Mac, this. I think Max Meyer once again he had a good performance. So, I, personally, I want him to start and get a bit of game time because, um, you know, the, um, I know fans have been talking about just transition him coming into the Premier League and getting used to the squad and yeah. start of play. But I think we've gone past that now. I think he he knows what the game is like uh, in England. I think. Southampton would be a good time to start him. He came he came off um early well not early in the second half in the Tottenham game, so there's a possibility of him starting and hopefully he does. Yeah, well they say styles make fights in boxing and I look at Palace and I look at Southampton, I think it's gonna be a decent game and I think at St Mary's, I think that's a, a good a good game and a good kind of style of game, I think, for someone like Max Meyer to, to be involved in the start, do you not think? I do think I think Maya is is a really really capable footballer and if he was six two I think Hodgson would be starting him every week but because he's a kind of little diminutive five foot seven and yeah. can sometimes get knocked off it he might prefer to play Schlupp who's very athletic very strong very quick gets about but is maybe not having the talent with um with the vision and the, and the passing and the ball retention. But I feel bad for Maya though because it's like reader world um, where you don't play bad. But you still get dropped. Like yeah. Max Meyer's creative, he can, he's got all the abilities, you know, to be like creative and bring other players into the game. So why don't you play more often? Where Jeffrey Slup, 
even against Tottenham, I don't think. Yeah, I know for the first goal he went past that Tottenham yeah. defender. It was it was really good, but still, but against Southampton, you know, I I'll still go for Max Meyer because Slup, I know he done that. He didn't do anything else. He really like he he was lost. He did so many misplaced passes against Tottenham. Start Max Meyer, bring that creativity into the team. Give some Southampton something else to think about. That's what I'll do. But then again, Roy, he's just he's a bit old school, so I don't I really don't know what he will do. It, yeah, he, he knows. Roy knows what he wants wants to do. Schlupp yeah. is a lot faster than Meyer. Very different. Um, very different players. He's a bit of an enigma. Uh, back in the dot com, the last pod we were chatting about how can he be so brilliant in sort of thrusting into the box and and getting the shot off that was that was well saved before um, Mr. Wickham slotted it yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but Meyer, he's got a bit of fight in him, and he does seem to play good short passes. So. I don't know. It's they're they're different types of players, but one seems to get the choice over the other. Absolutely right. Up next here on Love Sport on the Crystal Palace Fan Show, we'll we'll do the Southampton preview, but we'll do it from their view. Jason Dodd played for them hundreds of times. Former captain. He's on the phone next. Giving your team a voice. Love Sport Radio. The opposition view on Love Sport. Yes, the opposition view. Jason Dodd. Former Southampton right back and captain on the phone now. Jason, good evening. Good evening, guys. Uh, we've been hearing from Roy Hodgson in the week. He doesn't want to bill it a six-pointer, but we know this is a, a huge game. Is it? Is it fair to say if Southampton win this game or if Palace win this game for, for the victor, they can kind of really push on now and kind of forget about any looming fears of, of relegation? Well, I think so. I'd, I'd still be looking over your shoulder because, what, bottom three is 19 points. But the thing is, I think Roy's doing that just to maybe take a bit of pressure off Palace boys because, you know what I mean, each team, they know, players aren't silly. They're going to look at the, 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 the table and realise that they're both in a very similar position. You're looking at both of the teams. Even though Southampton at home, Palace have picked up a lot more points away from home. Southampton of late have picked up a little bit. But again, it's only two home wins. So really in my opinion it's got the makings of a, a nil niller, if you know what I mean because there's going to be too much for either side to lose Yeah what have you made though of your new head coach Ralph Harsen he's had, a, he's had an impact hasn't he? He has and, and, and tends to be the, the vast majority of the time that's what happens he's come in and he wants to put this high pressing game into place um, the few of the games that I saw especially the Arsenal game yeah it seemed to work and players were getting behind it be interesting now. Of, in theory, I think it'd be good when the window closes because obviously Suarez is gone. A few of the players are getting out. He said that the squad is too big. Um, I'm assuming what he's saying is the squad is average, which is a, maybe a little bit harsh, but that tends to be what's the message is coming out from him. He wants to trim them down and maybe get real quality players coming in. Um, he has had an impact, but that's all well and good. They're still in trouble, so he needed the impact. But that doesn't mean that they're out of it. And like I said, the clubs below them, I mean, they're going to be thinking, hold on a minute, whoever loses this game is going to get dragged back into the battle. Yeah, Chase, it's felt a little bit of strange atmosphere around Southampton for, for a few years now, maybe since Ronald Koeman left. And you had a few managers in with, with mixed success. Obviously, you've had Claude Puel. I mean, it was a cup final, it was eighth, but, you know, people weren't happy. We've had Mark Hughes, we've had Pellegrino, all with kind of different experiences and different personalities. Is it fair to say that it feels a little bit different with Arsenal? It feels like this time it's the right appointment? The thing is, sooner or later it will be. Um, and that's a worry that they have made these changes. I mean, you look back to... I, I think you're rightly saying, Claude Perrault, 
They got to a cup final, should have beat Man United, if I'm honest, and then finished, I think, eighth or tenth and that on the table. And that was perceived to be not good enough for Southampton. Well, I mean, in my opinion, then you're looking then for the money that they got for the players that they're sold. You're looking where is the investment and where is the quality players that are coming in. From a supporter's point of view, that's what you're looking at. You don't mind, in theory, selling players. As long as they're getting replaced, then you're getting quality coming in. Um, Van Dijk, he's still with the centre-half. He's been immense. He was a big loss. And, and I think with the manager, he's tried three, four, five different scenarios at centre-half. He's played two at the black. He's played three. Still don't think he really knows which is best back three, back four, back five is. So in theory, as a, from a playing point of view, it's great for you because you always know that you've got a chance. Um, and if you're not playing, it's not a nice thing to say, but sometimes players might think, well, if they don't do that well, I'll get back in. But it's, it's a worry. We need stability. And if this is the man to do it, this is what you need. Understand where Southampton are. Like the last six, eight, ten years, they've been fantastic. But to go to the next level, when we've done really well, we've not done that. So are we just more or less saying then that we're quite happy to be a, a mid-table team? Yeah, well, you, you mentioned a few players who have already been shown the door by, by Ralph, deciding kind of not for him. One of those players, uh, striker, Charlie Austin. I'll ask the chaps in, in a second whether they fancy him at, at Crystal Palace. Um, would you be disappointed to, to see him leave? Well, I think it's like anything. From Manabout, we, we see match day. So the manager sees... Um, everyday training, as well as the match day. And in theory, players are judged on that. But something's got to be happening because someone like Charlie's a goal scorer. As simple as that. Now, the problem with Charlie is, his link-up play's not bad, but you need to get the ball in the box. And sometimes it's, it's harsh on the front line. Like Shane Long gets a little bit of stick in that as well. He is immense. You have him in your team because he grafts and he creates opportunities for other people. But the problem is, we've had Gabbiadini, we've had Shane Long, we've had Charlie Austin. I mean, it's, it's just, I mean, it's, it's uh, Danny Ingalls. It's just never-ending. Nobody really is given a good one in the side. Now, I understand from management point of view, he needs goals. So they're not doing it. He's going to make the changes. But as everyone knows, if you're a centre-forward, you need games, you need goals, and then that's what builds you and gets you going. And it's just been, a, for a lot of the strikers at Southampton, it just seems a bit, a bit stop, start, stop, start. They don't seem to get going. Yeah, uh, just very quickly, Japs, Charlie Austin, Chaz, he's a, he's a big, big boy. I uh, feel like he'd fit Palace's system if he's available. Would you, would you have him? I think attitude um, is a problem with Charlie Austin. I know the Southampton manager said that that's not the reason why they want to sell him. But previously... Um, you know, all the rumours that's coming out related to Charlie Olsen. It seems like he's got an attitude problem. And on that basis, not really, because we've got good team chemistry right now. If Charlie Olsen comes in, that might be, you know, damaged. And I don't want him to take a risk. Jason, we've been discussing in the studio the last few weeks about the relationship between Roy Hodgson and, and Dougie Friedman, the director of football, and you know who's making these decisions and maybe why some of these transfers haven't worked out. I mean, is it is it fair to say I can draw similarities with what's happened over Southampton last year in terms of recruitment? How important is that link between the coach and the guy actually bringing in those players? Well, I think it's vital. And the thing is, you've got Roy Hodgson with a vast experience that he's got. And Dougie, in theory, is, is newest to the role and newest to the job. And in theory, on the outside you're looking in, it would be Roy Hodgson that you would be, I mean, not listening to, but with his vast experience, surely the club would be backing what he's saying. I understand Dougie has his ideas as well. But the thing is, it worries me that, I mean, Dougie, OK, he wants to go in there and show what, I mean, what he can do. 
But from my opinion, with the experience of someone like Roy, and nowadays transfers aren't easy, as simple as that. So it's like, oh, we're going to go and get Charlie Austin and Southampton and have you let him go and we'll get the deal done and it's sorted. It doesn't really work like that. So there'll be lots of options available. But if you haven't got the right recruitment, you don't want to be looking at three, four, five players and you bring three, four of them in and two, three of them don't work. Then then you're going to be in a spot of bother. And and I think that's, I mean, that it's hard. This, this director of football is, is fairly new to a lot of the English clubs. So it's a fairly new role for Dougie in that as well. So he wants to stamp his mark on, on his job, as simple as that. And it's going to be tough for those two to get their heads together and sort it out. Yeah, yeah. as you, as you say there, um, it, it's, a lot of managers aren't actually buying. They're just coaching. It, it, it seems to have come in a lot. Is that why a lot of clubs are slipping, do you think? I mean, look at look at Stoke now. I'm not sure you know, what's happening there. But, but once Dio was saying, once you go, that, that can be it. You're gone. But the problem is, as, as a head coach, what they're called nowadays, obviously, it's their job to get results. If someone else is bringing in players and you're not having these players, you're getting judged on other people being brought in. So I think that's where it's in, in the foreign leagues, coaches get the sack and then like Monaco, within three months, the, the fellow's back again. And, and it's as though, I mean, we'll just have another go at it. Well, we're a bit... I mean, we're not used to that in England. We're used to, in theory, trying to give managers a good run on the side and then they're able to build a philosophy into the club and, and really bring in players that they want to do. Um, does Roy Hodgson want to be judged at the end of the season or the end of next season on players that somebody else is bringing in? Now, he's bound to have a say. He's the head coach, he's the manager. So he's bound to give him a remit. If this is what I'm looking for in every position all over the park. And he'll have a key. I want a centre forward. I want this one. And these are the attributes I want. Now, if you've got a director of football that doesn't agree with that, I mean, I'm not saying that that is the case, but if you've got someone that doesn't agree with that, then it's going to be difficult for them to come to a solution and get the right player in to fit into what the philosophy of the club is. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really, really interesting one, isn't it? Particularly someone like Roy, who probably would have managed for the majority of his career without a director of football, and, and now mm. people are bringing one in. It's, it must be very, very strange for some of the, the, these older managers. But, Jason, looking ahead to tomorrow's game, how do you see it going? Well... Like I said, Paris had a fantastic result against Spurs. Don't get me wrong. Southampton on on a good little bit of form. The worrying thing for me, from a Southampton point of view, is it's goals. As we just touched on earlier about Charlie and things, it's getting them goals. Um, And the thing is, and and getting down the stability of playing certain players, especially the centre-ass, it's going to be Vestergaard or Stevens, um, Wanyama, get them a good one in the side and getting going. And it just it, at the moment, Stephen Davis is gone. He's going to be a big blow because I think he was fantastic. But you understand why the club want to move forward. But from my point of view, Southampton, uh, we're under a little bit of pressure. We're at home. We picked up of late, of course, but we haven't won too many games. The worrying thing for me is Palace seem to play better away from home. So is, does that mean that they're a really good counter-attacking side and they break quickly and they're quite powerful? So, and in theory, with the size and the units, that's not saying that that's the way they play in the physical side, but when it comes to set plays and things, they're very, very good. And that's been a weakness um, for me for Southampton. They've been balls into the box, they don't deal with very well, and they've been punished in a lot of the other games. So I can't see Palace doing anything different. That's where their strength is. And they, they've got, yeah, in Townsend, they've got, they've got quality players to cause Southampton problems. And it's, it's just whether we're going to be able to keep them at bay. Yeah, just, just lastly then, Jason, do you, what you've seen of, of Ralph so far, 
is he likely to to set up for this game based on the way he thinks Palace will play, or do you think he's got a very clear way that he he plays irrespective of the opponents? Because obviously you mentioned there about Palace's threat on the break. Well, the thing is, Roy's Roy's going to do his own work. That's the sort of manager he is, and that's why he's managed at the top level for so long. So he knows. So he knows where the weakness are at Southampton. If they're going to high press, how do you get away from the high press? Well, you just get the ball forward quicker. So you, you play to your strengths as such. So they'll have a game plan. If he feels that Southampton are going to press, why, if they're not comfortable doing it, are they going to spray balls around the back and give Southampton the opportunity to win the ball back and nick it higher up the field? So I just think Palace, if they've done their homework, they're going to be quite quickly counter-attacking and direct. And then, obviously, set plays, they're a massive threat. So they can play. they got wonderful players that can, um, as I mentioned, touching at the Towns and the Sahara, they've got some wonderful players. So they can get into Lampton third. They're going to cause us problems. Yeah, it'll be very, very interesting indeed to, to, to see tomorrow evening. Jason, thank you for your time this evening. Great stuff. No problem, guys. That was Jason Dodd there, former Southampton player, former right-back, played nearly 400 times for them. We've got about 15 minutes left of the Crystal Palace fan show here on Love Sport Radio before we have to leave you this evening. Um, but we've still got time to get the views of Nick, DR and Max of Southampton. And also, before you're back next week, you've got another Premier League game yeah. as well with Fulham. So we will touch on that as well before the end of the show. Love Sport, 5.58 a.m. Welcome back. Crystal Palace fan show on Love Sport. Let's go through some of the scores, the latest uh, half times in the 7.45s. Goalless between Arsenal and Cardiff. 2 0 to Brighton away at Fulham. Producer Dom from Love Sport probably um, has either been ejected or is currently <laughs> shouting at somebody. It, horrible, horrible weather there as well at Craven Cottage. Miserable evening for them so far. Glenn Murray scoring both of the goals for Chris Hutton's side. Everton. They are spoiling Jan Sievert's first game in charge for Huddersfield. They're winning 1-0. Richarlison with an early one there. Swansea Birmingham in the championship is 1-0. Birmingham, though, now down to 10 men. So you'd expect Graham Potter's men to push on from that point. Incidentally, Gary Monk's first trip back to the Liberty as a manager since leaving there a number of years ago. Wolves-West Ham is 0-0. Man City are beating Newcastle uh, 1-0. Man United Burnley is goalless, as is the other championship game this evening between Reading. So, Southampton, how important is this? How confident are you? Because they they have kicked on. And honestly and truly, you know, as a, as a, as a fan of a, of a Premier League club, I I feel like Ralph Hasenhutl is a great coach, and I would have loved him at, at my football club. Not not trying to oust Roy here, but I'm just thinking he's a good coach, isn't he? He's impressive. Too early. I like the look yeah, of him. I really too, like the look of him. Yeah, it looks good right now. But let's. I think uh, in terms of judging him, whether he's a decent Premier League uh, manager and got future in the Premier League, I think you, you have to wait at least until the end of the season or even the start of next season. Um, but in terms of this game, uh, how important it is for Palace, I've, I think we just can't lose. Um, whether it's a draw win, I'm not... That, of course, a win would be much better, but mm. we just can't lose. I'll be happy with a draw because they've got a bit of momentum going to Southampton, so going there won't be easy, and hopefully we get a point at least. So so do you set up to, to spoil it as such? You know, 
try sit deep, try contain them and, and hit them on the break? That, that's the way we do it, actually. Yeah. You know, I was a little bit worried thinking about the recent results, but the way uh, your man, Mr Dodds, was talking there, he, he was kind of playing them down a bit and they're finding it difficult to score. We've, we've got a pretty solid defence. Um, the only thing that put me off is that they're susceptible to crosses into the box, which we never really score from, do we? I don't know how, though, Bednarek and Vestergaard have an average height of 6'8". That, you know, you think they'd be well set up to defend those crosses. Yeah. Low, maybe low crosses. Maybe that's it. Yeah. But because I remember going Southampton away last season and the weather was horrific. I remember me and Hamburg going with someone else. And Southampton, what they were trying to do is just put low crosses into the box. So maybe that's what they're struggling with as well. Um, but I, t- I just I just think that when we, when, you know, when we go into the game, if we sit back... And you know, contain all the pressure and hit them on the counter. As Nick said, I think that's our that's our strength, and we should go with that approach. But what I'm what I'm fearing in terms of watching a game um, the most is that it's going to be a boring game because one Palace struggled to score and two Southampton struggled to yeah. score. It can end two ways. I think it I either end as a nil nil or like three two or something like that, <laughs> depending on who scores the early goal. Yeah. I mean, but how much are we we concerned? Obviously, right now. Newcastle are losing. We expect that they will do, but Cardiff still goalless. Watching just Fulham have just brought a goal back. Actually, Cam Chambers, um, so Fulham could still get a result this evening. Let's not worry about them too much because they're they're eight adrift of Newcastle. But Cardiff getting a point. They'll go to twenty this evening, which means they'll just be two behind Crystal Palace. Burnley play t- tomorrow evening as well, and obviously Southampton. If they get those three points, it kind of does drag you, you in. And you know, I know that football changes so quickly and you kind of keep as level-headed as is humanly possible. I know it's hard. But how, how much of a dent, Max, would it be if you, if you do lose tomorrow? Uh, I think it's a little bit early to call it maybe something like a six-pointer, but it is important. And I think the fact that Palace have done a job on City away and nearly did a job on Liverpool away has kind of uh, clouded people's view to the fact that we are still down there. However well we played against Liverpool, we lost. And we, we seem to have a habit of playing quite well and losing. Um, and we are we are still down there, so it is, it is going to be a very important game for us. So... Before you back next week, you've got another Premier League game as well. You're playing Fulham. Is this we- game even more important? Or oh, again, we, we we knocked the old cliche. Each game at a time. Um, it uh, this game against um, Fulham, we have to win. It's different to Southampton. Six pointer. Yep. Um, we just look at like Fulham. They have been struggling all season long. They've conceded around fifty goals in twenty Premier League matches. I know we've been struggling. Fifty three now. Fifty three. Crazy. Yeah, wow. and that's crazy. So like, even Palace could score. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I think we have to take advantage of Fulham's um, lack of abilities on defending, and that's a six pointer. We need to go. We need to make sure that we beat Fulham. Mm. There's no way a draw. Will be will be any good for us? Are they the only team we can possibly do the double over this season? I don't. <laughs> if somebody out there is listening who knows, get in touch because I certainly don't know off the top of my head, and we've not got long enough to, to search <laughs> yes. that out. No, but but... Um, Fulham, say for instance, they're losing two one right now. If they lose today, they they've got a whole run of fixtures like the, whatever hope they have got. I mean, the guys from the Fulhamish pod, they're going to be with us tomorrow evening, by the way. <laughs> There's mixed views. Dom is, for been weeks, when they lost against Burnley, says, that's it, we're relegated. Now, the the players, obviously, they won't be like that, but the hope will start to, to dwindle as each defeat goes on. If they lose this evening, 
you feel that Palace or they would be even more confident about getting a result because not because of the ability, but just because you're playing a, a side that's kind of probably mentally been defeated now and almost starting to resign themselves to the fact they're being relegated. Yeah, the pressure is on them, which which we could, I don't know, you could end up in two ways, that Fulham wants it more than Palace mm. or that we can use it to our advantage and, you know, just put the game to bed and stay concentrated because Fulham's there for the taking. And I'm, I'm a bit, you know, shocked and disappointed in the way that they're struggling so badly, even under Ranieri, because I thought Ranieri would come in yeah. and make them solid, at least defensively. Well, and I was, then... was going to ask that. You know, <laughs> honestly, it looks like they've gone backwards under him. Are yeah. you surprised of the lack of impact, if any, that Claudio's had? Yeah, I am. I, I, he was, he was, a, he was a good manager at Leicester, of course, when he the title. Um, got sacked, which you know, which is debatable. Should he have been sacked? Should he not be sacked? I think <laughs> it was a bit harsh, um, considering he won a title. But let's not go there. Yeah, let's not go. Yeah, <laughs> but we got five minutes left. Yeah, mate. yeah. So I, he's, he's a good manager and. They, they've got good, good players as well. I think they say looking at their starting eleven just, again today. Yeah. I do. I think it's it's incredible. It's incredible that they they are down there. You look at Watford's team. You look at Bournemouth side, Brighton side. I think Fulham's is as good, if not better, than some of the hairs. Exactly. And you look at Cardiff's team, um, who who basically don't have any Premier League quality players, and it, they're doing better than them. So it's just well, it's, it's all the team spirit. Warnock's Warnock's got it shows that doesn't it together. Mm. Uh, but Ranieri was good at that at Leicester, which is even more so. Like it's just surprising. Ranieri, they were solid defensively, Leicester, uh, and had a good team spirit. But it seems like at Fulham, none of that has transferred. But how much of that did he build up himself, rather than being thrown in with a bunch of players that he hasn't signed and he doesn't know? I mean, the the Leicester thing wasn't an overnight. Well, it kind of was, but it, <laughs> he was there for a bit before getting to know the squad. And, and putting the right things in place to, to go on that incredible run. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, uh, Max, give me your thoughts in terms of the two games uh, across the week. What would you take? <laughs> I know it's a tough question because obviously you'd you'd like six points, goes without saying. I think three or above is, is going to be key. I think we've got to win one of them. And three games, then it would be over the course of the week. We spoke about the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. Few players have had a rest. Other people um, will obviously then be coming back in for this game. Is there any question marks over over the squad being able to handle that kind of fixture congestion? Because it, it is tough. It, it is a, a big ask of the players, particularly the ones who played against Spurs to then play three games in a week. That is, that is a lot. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. Uh, mainly with players like Wilf, um, because. You could you could argue he was overdoing it, but why was he overdoing it? It's, it's fatigue in his head. Like, is he just? It's, that's what I'm saying. I think certain players need a rest, and it may it may catch up to them in like as the season goes on. Um, we, we might be seeing that with Wilf in this case. So I think fatigue does play a part. Roy he likes to keep his starting eleven the same. He doesn't really like changing it that much. So that really has a downside. But I think. Um, We'll, we'll manage to cope with it. I don't think it'll be as bad as um, people make it out to be. Yeah, I think um, I think four points comfortably get. Be interesting to see if either team's got any new players on Saturday that they yes, line of up. Of course, of course, of course. So let's have a quick run round the three of you before we leave you this evening. Max, take us away. Score predictions starting off tomorrow and then if you wouldn't mind for Fulham as well. Uh, I'm going to go 2-2 Southampton and 2-0 to us against Fulham. Lovely stuff, Nick. One, it's positive. one all Southampton. Yeah. Uh, the weather's going to be awful and we will beat Fulham 4-0. Wow. 
Wow. Wow. <laughs> you think Fulham are rubbish, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, in a word. Um, um, DR, quickly, mate. Southampton and game 2-1 Palace. Yeah. Fulham... One, no, 2-0 <laughs> Palace, 2-0 Palace. <laughs> All right, guys, it's been a pleasure as always. This has been the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You'll be back next week. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.